This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for Reveal comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is an all-in-one management software with apps for every business need. Odoo has apps for CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, manufacturing, and everything in between. And they're all in one easy-to-use software. And the best part about Odoo? All Odoo apps are integrated, helping you get things done faster and more efficiently. So when you think about business, think Odoo. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash reveal. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash reveal. From the Center for Investigative Reporting and PRX, this is Reveal. I'm Al Edson. No matter what you're looking for in a ski vacation, Aspen Snowmass has you covered. Aspen, Colorado is a ski town, a snow sport paradise. I had no idea how big Snowmass was. This is rad. Okay, so everything we just rode was sick. All the drops have been sick, but apparently we're going somewhere sicker, which is sick. Here in the Rockies, Aspen Skiing Company operates four different resorts that all use a lot of power. The person who worries about where that electricity comes from is Auden Schindler. You're running ski lifts. You're running buildings. You're making snow. Auden is in charge of sustainability for the company. And back in 2006, he made waves by making it the first ski resort in the country to go 100% green. That was after years of effort. At first, Auden tried installing solar panels and energy-efficient light bulbs around the resort, but it wasn't making enough of a difference. So he turned to another option that would cover the whole resort and was way less work. Well, if you're digging around and saying, hey, how can I buy clean energy? This was the way you buy clean energy with a renewable energy certificate. A renewable energy certificate, also known as a REC. We'll get to how they work in a little bit, but for now, what you need to know is Auden bought them. The Aspen Skiing Company could claim it cleaned up its dirty electricity, and Auden became something of a clean energy darling. Time magazine called him a climate crusader, and his work was being nationally recognized. I went to D.C. and got an award from the EPA. Local papers covered it, and we got accolades. It was definitely under a year that I realized that I had made a mistake. The more Auden looked into how Rex worked, the less he believed they did anything. So he did something you're really not supposed to do as a corporate executive. Admit that the good things you claim to the public might not be true. I was branded a semi-insane bomb thrower. Auden spoke out to the press. He was featured in a Business Week article exposing Rex as, quote, Little Green Lies. That magazine article almost cost me my job. People were like, what the hell's wrong with you? I got brought in front of senior management and people saying, what were you thinking? That was all back in 2007, 15 years ago. But Rex, the thing Auden was ringing the alarm bells about, companies are still buying them today. In fact, they're one of the easiest and cheapest ways for companies to appear more green than they actually are. This week, we're revisiting an investigation from reporter Will Evans on why this tool, one that was debunked years ago, is still flourishing today. It was 2006, and going green was all the rage. Each one of us is a cause of global warming, but each of us can make choices to change that. The movie An Inconvenient Truth had just come out. It was Al Gore's documentary about global warming. The solutions are in our hands. We just have to have the determination to make them happen. There was a surge of public interest in climate change and how to fight it, even on stage during Hollywood's biggest night. Ladies and gentlemen, the thrice-nominated Leonardo DiCaprio and Vice President Al Gore. This is a special announcement made at the 2007 Oscars. 
Tonight, we're proud to announce that for the first time in the history of the Oscars, this show has officially gone green. Many of the green energy claims at the time involved the purchase of wrecks. The Environmental Protection Agency was promoting them as an easy way to go green and awarding companies for buying tons of wrecks. With renewable energy certificates, also known as RECs, you can purchase renewable power and help the renewable energy market to grow. This is from an EPA promotional video. So how can a consumer like you know that the power you're using is from renewable resources? That's where renewable energy certificates come in. Each REC represents a unit of renewable energy that was produced and pumped into the grid somewhere. If you buy the REC, you are now the owner of that green power. Like the name suggests, a renewable energy certificate is just a certificate. When you buy one, you're really just buying a piece of paper or a PDF. And that certificate represents, in theory, one green megawatt hour. RECs allow you to claim that the electricity you use came from a renewable resource with low or zero emissions. And making that claim is not very expensive. RECs are cheap. They can cost anywhere from several dollars to just around a buck each, depending on where they come from and when they were made. So if you're a business guzzling electricity, no matter where you're getting your power from, you can pay a relatively small sum to say you're 100% green. For instance, you could offset the electricity use of the average American home for a whole year with just around 11 wrecks. But wait, there's more. RECs allow you to claim renewable energy without having to install a single solar panel or wind turbine or change any of your energy habits. It's that easy. RECs really do make a difference. By buying RECs, you're providing revenue to support renewable energy projects. But it's not like the green energy you're claiming helped power your toaster or turn on your fan. You can be in California and own a REC made in Georgia. It's totally disconnected from your actual energy use. The whole point of RECs was to incentivize more renewable energy. When they were invented back in the 90s, building wind and solar farms was way more expensive than it is today. And the idea was that RECs could create another revenue stream for renewable energy producers. Wind and solar farms could make money from selling their energy and from selling RECs. And that additional money would motivate them to produce even more green energy. It sounded good and you couldn't square the circle of getting your company clean electricity any other way. There was no other way. Short of building your own giant generation plant, wind farm, solar farm, or whatever. And because they weren't about to build a giant wind or solar farm, Auden Schendler convinced his bosses at Aspen Skiing Company to buy wrecks, more than 20,000 of them. And with those certificates, the resort could claim that it offset 100% of its electricity use with renewable energy. But nothing had changed about how they were using power or where it was coming from. The wrecks he bought covered the energy use of four ski areas, three hotels, two athletic complexes, and a golf course. And they only cost $42,000, a tiny fraction of the company's entire energy budget. If something is so cheap as to be almost free, that means it has no value. You know, it was like economics 101. These, so I'm buying what? And it cost me almost nothing to do basically the hardest thing in civilization. You know, decarbonizing is what we have to do as a society. And it was only a few bucks. You know, can't be right. Auden starts asking around. He hears from some friends in the field that, yeah, they don't think that wrecks do anything. So he turns to the people who sell the wrecks, peppering them with questions. How are the wrecks he bought actually making a difference to wind farms? How is his purchase creating more renewable energy? Later, I got into some really in-your-face conversations with wreck salesmen where I said, I want you to show me that this wreck caused the creation of clean power. Well, Auden, you can't, you know, this is a complicated industry and this is a market. Did my purchase reduce emissions in the world the way you are claiming? Can you show me? And when they couldn't, Auden was sure Rex were a scam. Now, he could have kept his mouth shut and continued to claim that his ski resort was green. 
But when a Business Week reporter asked him questions for a story about Rex in 2007, Auden didn't hold back. He basically admitted that his own company's 100% renewable energy claim was an empty boast. People were like, what the hell's wrong with you? And I was saying, look, I'm trying to do this thing transparently, and we're not succeeding. But I got brought in front of senior management and people saying, what were you thinking? How did you get in trouble? Well, first, I, when it happened, I got a call and it was the, the head of HR. And he's like, hey, can we talk on Monday? And I was like, what are you talking about? And I get back to my office. All my furniture had been removed as if you'd been fired. Now, it turned out that both of those things were a joke by the CFO, like who is my friend? And it was like, ha ha. But then I got grilled in front of senior management by the CEO, and it wasn't, like it wasn't a joke. Auden didn't end up losing his job, and he kept spreading the word about Rex, joining a small but growing number of vocal critics. Several studies came out showing that Rex don't actually lead to more renewable energy. You look at it empirically, and the answer is no, it's not having an impact. Michael Gillenwater is a founding director of the Greenhouse Gas Management Institute, a nonprofit focused on carbon accounting. He's spent more than 15 years studying emissions. And he says there's no proof that these wrecks have helped with any expansion of renewable energy. There really is no noticeable change in the amount of solar and wind farm investment because of this kind of voluntary certificate market. The wrecks we've been talking about are these cheap ones, ones that companies can buy voluntarily on the open market, that are sold separate from any actual electricity. There are better ways of buying renewable energy, and there are wrecks that are more effective. But the market for cheap and ineffective wrecks has just continued to grow. And that's been helped along by one big player. The government essentially blessed this activity And it really took off because now EPA says it's good, it's fine. Like, we can say we're green, we can say we're not emitting anything because now we can use as much electricity as we want, no matter how dirty it is. And if we just buy some certificates, now all of a sudden we're clean. We're absolved of responsibility for climate change. Okay, so these wrecks have been shown to be a pretty useless tool for making meaningful progress against climate change. Though I have heard from people who support the wreck market that it's better than nothing, right? You know, what really matters is like, is there less greenhouse gases in the atmosphere? And unfortunately, you know, this particular approach is not working. Meanwhile, the climate crisis has become more and more dire. Droughts, fires, floods, storms, and other deadly climate-related disasters are getting worse. Scientists now think that in the next decade, we'll pass the critical 1.5 degrees Celsius mark, after which the effects of global warming become increasingly catastrophic. An astonishing milestone this week. It was the hottest day since sometime in the last interglacial period, 125,000 years ago. Earth reaching its highest temperature on record for a fourth day in a row. We're running out of time. And there's all this effort and money going into something that doesn't work. I've had people in the policy arena and at nonprofits say to me, I say, hey, what you're doing, it's not solving climate. And, and one response I got was, well, we got to do something. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, if you know the thing isn't going to work, you have to do something else. You can't just keep doing the thing that isn't working. These days, Auden doesn't get treated as a semi-insane bomb thrower. More companies acknowledge that buying wrecks isn't effective and say they're moving away from them. And now are you like, I told you so? <laughs> I try not to do too much of that. But yeah, it's, it's, it was so obvious. But here's the thing. I told you so, but nothing's changed. There's still corporations are still buying wrecks. The market hasn't changed. What if I were to tell you that the federal government buys cheap wrecks to fulfill its renewable energy goals. Yes, I, I, know, I know that's happening. Does that surprise you at all? You're talking to a guy who, you know, there's a couple people who have blown the whistle on this. 
So you're talking to the guy who blew the whistle on it. So uh, no, I'm not shocked. But it's still happening. 2023. It's the federal government. Yeah. And it it's fraud on a national scale. And it's waste of taxpayer money that's astounding and awful. And here's the kicker. It's being done by well-intentioned people. The federal government buys millions of wrecks to meet its sustainability targets. Cheap wrecks bought with taxpayer money so the government can appear more green than it actually is. In fact, since 2010, more than half of what the government has claimed as renewable energy was just cheap wrecks. And some of the places where the government buys these certificates are pretty questionable. How hot is it in there? Right there is probably about 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit. Most people say, if I could see hell, this is what it would look like. We'll take you into the inferno where some of those wrecks are made. That's next on Reveal. It's a high-stakes election year, so it's not enough to just follow along. You need to understand what's happening so you are fully informed come November. Every weekday on the NPR Politics Podcast, our political reporters break down important stories and backstories from the campaign trail so you understand why it matters to you. Listen to the NPR Politics Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. From the Center for Investigative Reporting and PRX, this is Reveal. I'm Al Ledson. Close your eyes, unless you're driving, then keep them open. But if you're not, close your eyes. Now, when you hear the term renewable energy, what comes to mind? Maybe you're picturing a pastoral landscape, hills to the horizon dotted with windmills, the blades spinning in sync. Or maybe you're imagining a harsh desert expanse with row after row of solar panels mirroring the rays of the sun. But there are other forms of renewable energy on the market that are made in ways that, well, they don't seem so green. Some call it the Disney World of Trash. Take, for example, this place in Palm Beach County, Florida. They call it the pit. And it has a bottomless appetite gorging on all the garbage dumped in Palm Beach County each year. It's a trash incinerator, and it produces wrecks, those renewable energy certificates you just heard about, some of the cheapest ones on the market. In 2022, multiple federal agencies bought wrecks from this place and used them to meet their renewable energy mandates. So it looks like there's some kind of landfill to my left. If I were to eyeball that, let's, let's call that six, seven stories. I guess this is where trash goes to turn into energy, huh? We sent Reveal's Najib Amini to the so-called Disney World of Trash. He starts us off on the ground floor. So this, there are 10 floors in this elevator well? Yes, 10 floors. Okay, and as soon as I walked into this elevator, that's when I got the whiff. Sounds smells like money to me. I don't... <laughs> smells like money. Oh, interesting, interesting. Right here is the smelliest part of the tour. But for my guide, Ray Shower, it's all just a matter of perspective. This is probably the most odiferous part of the facility right now. But if you've ever been in a landfill and smelled landfill gas, this is very, very mild compared to that. Ray is one of the brains behind this whole trash-turned-renewable-energy facility. He helped design and oversee the construction of this entire plant, and now manages its operations. And you've been here how long? Well, a little over 20 years now. So you have a good sense of how this all works? Uh, I hope so, yeah. Me too, me too. Okay, let's, let, yeah. Okay, so where are we headed? It might be the safety vest, or the way he holds his hard hat to the side, or how his pen is clipped just below the third button of his polo shirt. Ray looks the part of an engineer. But really, he's like an orchestra conductor. He's got to make sure this entire complex runs smoothly, in harmony. This musical piece starts with a convoy of trucks packed with trash from all over Palm Beach County. 
Rotten food, diapers, old clothes, construction debris, plastic bags, styrofoam, you name it. Those trucks empty out thousands of tons of garbage a day into a massive pit. You got about 20, 25,000 tons of Palm Beach County's finest garbage right there. Next, three giant claws, all of them capable of holding nine tons of garbage in each grasp, sift through the waste. Then these piles are dropped into a chute and pushed into a furnace. So we're looking at the flames from the combustion of the waste. How hot is it in there? Right there is probably about 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit. Most people say if this is if this is if I could see hell, this is what it would look like. Now, making energy out of burn trash is not as easy as lighting it on fire. There are a lot of toxic byproducts that must be accounted for: lead, mercury, particulate matter, and other chemical compounds that are harmful to people. And to help limit all that, this facility has an intricate apparatus of cables and piping, more than 400 miles of it. Under us and out in front of us here is all the air pollution control equipment. So you get a sense of the scale and the, the importance and the function of this, of this equipment. This is the sound of air being moved around. This is the sound of air being purified, yes. This whole operation produces a melody, rich in texture but poor in rhythm, and interrupted with the occasional solo. This is no John Cage 4 minutes and 33 seconds. To the untrained ear, it sounds like chaos. But to Ray... Right now it sounds pretty good. Everything sounds like it's working right. But the thing I'm really here for, the grand finale to this entire musical piece, is the steam produced from burning all this garbage and where that steam ultimately goes. This is where... Where... The steam comes to turn the turbine. The turbine's connected to the generator and the generator makes the electricity. So in this building, this is where the electricity is... Is made. Physically getting made. Yes. This is how a wreck is born. With each new megawatt hour of electricity made, a new wreck is now available for purchase. Since last year, the incinerator has sold more than 1.6 million renewable energy certificates. And in a given year, this incinerator can generate enough electricity to light up 45,000 homes. It's not as much as, say, a coal power plant, but for a landfill, it's still a substantial amount of electricity. I mean, this is trash being turned into energy. This is the steam that the, the ash burning made the steam that's making the turbine turn and turning the, turning the generator. Renewable energy. Yes, absolutely. Is this the future? I believe so. There's no reason it shouldn't be, yes. But not everyone believes in the Disney world of trash the way Ray does. Head east on West 8th Street, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, Fort Old Dixie Highway, President Barack Obama Highway. If that's not Florida for you... I head a few miles east to Riviera Beach, where you won't see the gaudy mansions, fine art studios, or panoramic views of the Atlantic Ocean that have come to define Palm Beach County. No, here you get a different kind of trifecta, like an industrial park, a port, and a power plant. Yeah, everything in one big area. This right here is the oldest neighborhood in Riviera Beach. For Andrew Bird, this right here is home. Andrew knows the neighborhood well. Aside from living here most of his life, he also spent several years working locally as a city planner. And he's seen a lot of change happen here. As a child, I grew up going to school right back here. I used to walk there on Lincoln Elementary and then walk across the field, which was nothing but sand dunes. This entire sand area. Sand dunes? Yeah. This, I don't see any you know, sand dunes here. Yeah, you're not going to see maybe any sand either. <laughs> Everything is paved over. This whole entire area now is so different. It's not the same as it used to be at all. I've lived for 
How long have I lived here? Since I was eight years old. I'm 70 now. I think I told you that. You look 21, don't worry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but there are some changes that Andrew just can't get used to. Go ahead, push it down. There you go. Can you smell that? Describe the smell. Uh, to me, this is almost like it has some waste in it. It has a lot of, like, burnt pipe, burnt plastic pipe. Oh my God, and then you got all those bags from the groceries. You ever lit one of those on fire? They smell just like this, those grocery bags. This thing is awful. For what it's worth, I could smell what Andrew was talking about, and it was exactly as he described it, like a faint industrial musk. There it is again. Take, take the smell. It's one of those, the house is on fire smell. <laughs> it's something burning in the house. I can smell it now, right? Yeah. yeah. You, 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 you're always conscious of this is a fire, that kind of smell. You, you actually stop and go and check and wondering, where is that smell coming from? Andrew is certain the smell is coming from the incinerator. He says he's followed the smell to it, that the smell appeared at the same time the incinerator started operating. Now, tracking smells is an imperfect science. It's hard to prove exactly where it's coming from. Palm Beach County doesn't have air quality monitors near the incinerator or at Riviera Beach. And while the Solid Waste Authority tracks emissions from the incinerator, it also doesn't have any air quality monitors around the site or the county. But not everyone agrees with Andrew. I did talk to some people who live much closer to the incinerator who say, what smell? Donald Gunderman is a retired insurance executive who lives in a private golf community about a mile away from the plant. And he's a big fan. I smell nothing. It is the best thing that has happened to us. I'm absolutely thrilled that they did what they did. And no complaints? None, not a single complaint. I didn't smell anything when I visited Donald. But I did find complaints filed to the Solid Waste Authority about odors. Some from Donald's own neighbors, some who live just a few houses away. I know what smell is, and I know what smell isn't. I never, ever am bothered by any odors. I cannot imagine what else they would want to complain about, because as far as I'm concerned, the process of getting rid of our waste and getting something in return makes all the sense in the world. Even the Solid Waste Authority acknowledges on its website that there are smells from the landfill, and they have taken steps to mitigate them. Smell or no smell, incinerators across the country have been criticized for releasing something worse. Pollutants like lead, mercury, particulate matter, and other toxic chemicals. Even with those 400 miles of cables and piping, this incinerator is still emitting pollutants, including higher rates of sulfur dioxide and nitrogen oxides than an average power plant. In high concentrations, both are known to cause respiratory issues. And then there's the carbon emissions. The Solid Waste Authority says more greenhouse gases would be released if the trash was left to rot instead of burned. But this plant still produced hundreds of thousands of tons of CO2 in 2021 alone. That's because burning things like plastics still creates greenhouse gases, which is why the Environmental Protection Agency doesn't consider burning trash a source of green power. Even so, this incinerator sells RECs, those renewable energy certificates. RECs they use to claim that they're green. I explained all this to Andrew, and that's what he thought. Do you believe the energy being produced at that waste site yep. is helping solve no. the broader climate change Absolutely not. problem? It's creating a worse environmental problem. Even if they're selling wrecks? Yep. I think that's a false economy, that the notion of wrecks is a false economy. I can tell you a thousand ways you could have generated the same amount of power than burning trash. I mean, it's like, for God's sake. And still, 
The federal government bought hundreds of thousands of wrecks from this site in 2022. The Departments of Agriculture, Commerce, and Energy, along with the National Institutes of Health, the U.S. Air Force, and NASA, all bought wrecks from here. Back on my tour, I wanted to see what the Solid Waste Authority was getting out of it. In a given year, wrecks help the facility make about... About 170000 a year, 180000 175000 plus or minus. The incinerator had been going about its business, burning trash for years, until some wreck sellers came along with the prospect of easy money. The incinerator started selling them in 2022, seven years after the plant first opened. Okay, so wrecks bring in plus or minus 175k a year. It sure sounds like a lot, but how does it compare to the total cost to run the facility? The facility itself costs about 28, 29 million dollars a year to run. So it's the 170,000 versus so maybe 1%. Pennies in a bucket? Yeah, but it's it's still pennies. It's still pennies. Ray says the money made from selling wrecks helps lower the cost for ratepayers. In this case, residents of Palm Beach County who just want to get their trash dealt with. By Ray's calculation, this saves each customer about 18 cents a year. 18 cents. If you're a Palm Beach County resident, try not to spend all that money at once. But let's go back to the original intent of the wreck. When they were created back in the 90s, they were supposed to help green energy producers make more money. More money that would lead them to generate more renewable energy. So if wrecks worked the way they were supposed to, somehow this extra cash would be leading to more renewable energy. That's in theory. But again, in practice, the money that you're getting from the wrecks, is it going towards any additional creation of a, a, a potential future site? It's going into our general reserve account, I believe, right now, or general revenue account. So Rex didn't contribute to any additional green energy. The incinerator is operating as it would have, Rex or no Rex. It's just another way to make money. And in reality, not that much money. And most of the money is going to someone else. Do you know who's buying your Rex? You mean from the broker? No. Do you want to know? I do. But it, for right now, it, it doesn't... Not, yeah, I would like, it would be very interesting to know because maybe we could do that direct. Um, but for right now, it's expedient, so it's okay for right now. Would you be surprised if it was like federal agencies that were buying your Rex? I wouldn't be surprised to hear anybody buying it. Do you know how much your Rex are being sold for? No. If they were being sold at a higher percentage or say, I don't know, like a markup, how would that make you feel? Well, I would expect that they would be sold at a markup. And that's business. Potentially like a three, four hundred percent markup? That would be a nice profit for them. Seventy-five percent of the money that government agencies are spending on wrecks from this facility isn't even going to the facility. It's going to a middleman. So... This is the problem with Rex in a nutshell. The trash incinerator is doing what it was going to do anyway. The money made from the Rex isn't going towards more renewable energy. And government agencies are buying the Rex to claim they're green. But did greenhouse gas emissions go down at all because someone bought these Rex? Did anything tangibly change? Is this going to help us avoid climate catastrophe? Sorry, Al Gore. Not at all. So why are federal agencies still purchasing these kinds of wrecks? You wouldn't expect your federal agency to be buying boutique wrecks, paying a fortune for them. There'd be some report in a newspaper, <laughs> maybe yours. <laughs> That's next on Reveal. From the Center for Investigative Reporting and PRX, this is Reveal. I'm Al Letson. In 2019, 
residents in two rural counties in Georgia started to notice something nasty in the air. I wake up in the middle of the night and I think my house is on fire because I can smell it inside my home. I have a chemical taste in my mouth. I feel disoriented and I know I'm being poisoned. Two biomass plants run by Georgia Renewable Power were burning wood waste, including wood that had been treated with a toxic preservative called creosote. State officials found violations of air pollution limits. They fined the company for leaking black wastewater into a nearby creek, threatening thousands of fish. The company said the plants weren't emitting anything harmful, but county officials declared a public health emergency and residents protested. And while community members were speaking out about the pollution, these two plants were producing renewable energy certificates, RECs, and the federal government bought them, hundreds of thousands of them, to pad its environmental stats. Today, we're revisiting an investigation from reporter Will Evans into the REC market. He went to ask people buying and selling these things across the country what they think RECs actually accomplish. He starts in a Georgia courtroom. The RECs from the Georgia biomass plants are at the center of a lawsuit between two companies, the one producing them and the one selling them. The fight is over the profits. These RECs don't belong to the plaintiffs. They created them, and we own them. They're ours. This is a lawyer for Sterling Planet, the company selling the RECs, He's speaking at a hearing earlier this year. And what's interesting is the way he talks about what the company is selling and how little value it has. The wrecks we are discussing today are biomass and are the least favored of all of the wrecks that you can buy and are the lowest cost. And these wrecks from the Georgia biomass plants are especially cheap. We purchased from them Wrecks that were too old to be sold. They couldn't sell them because they had no value. Since wrecks are used to offset dirty electricity, they're supposed to come from renewable energy that was made around the same time. If they're too old, even prominent REC supporters don't consider them a legitimate offset. And though these biomass wrecks were past their prime, Sterling Planet found a willing buyer. We were able to sell them to the military. Yep. The military bought wrecks from these plants. The departments of agriculture, energy, and transportation also bought them. So did the Indian Health Service and the National Institutes of Health. But why? It goes back to this guy. Thanks very much for the warm welcome. I appreciate you treating a neighbor from Texas so kindly. (laughs) Back in 2005, President George W. Bush was about to sign an energy bill that, among other things, required the federal government to get some of its electricity from renewable sources. This bill will strengthen our economy, and it will improve our environment, and it's going to make this country more secure. By today's standards, the requirement is pretty thin. The government only needed to get 3% of its electricity from renewable sources. In 2013, it was pushed up to 7.5%. But the requirement hasn't been updated since, despite mounting evidence about the urgent need to slash global emissions. In a brand new report, hundreds of scientists spill out in excruciating detail how climate change is affecting nearly every aspect of our lives on this planet. They say it's not too late to change course, but we are running out of time. And here's the thing. The government is only hitting its modest 7.5% renewable energy goal by buying millions of wrecks. Federal agencies do get some of their own renewable energy directly from things like solar arrays on military bases, and that's been increasing over the years. But the law allows those projects to be double-counted because that energy was made on federal land. So if you took away those generous shortcuts, the wrecks and the double-counting, The most recent numbers showed the government is only using about 3% renewable energy. That's less than half of their target. And the wrecks they're using to make up the difference 
come from places like the Georgia biomass plants and the Florida trash incinerator. Great. Love it. This is... <laughs> That's so depressing. Leah Stokes is a professor at the University of California, Santa Barbara, who studies clean energy and climate policy. She says the way the federal government has been buying energy is a huge missed opportunity. The federal government uses an enormous amount of energy. People can kind of forget it. You know, maybe they think about Walmart or Amazon and their carbon footprint. But the federal government's carbon footprint is actually three times larger than those huge companies. The federal government is the single largest property owner in the United States. And when you own a lot of buildings, there's a tremendous potential to generate your own green power. You could actually put solar on the roofs of these federal buildings on the parking lots. You can pair it with battery storage. So there's a much better way to go about doing this. You don't have to be buying garbage, literal garbage, incineration projects to meet hypothetically clean, air quotes, targets, right? The government is supposed to be moving away from garbage wrecks, like literal garbage wrecks. At least that's the Biden administration's official line. The United States sets out on the road to cut greenhouse gases in half, in half by the end of this decade. That's where we're headed as a nation. Last year, President Joe Biden signed into law a big climate bill with billions of dollars to stimulate the green energy market. And when it comes to the government's own carbon footprint, Biden issued an executive order that requires federal agencies to get 100% clean electricity by 2030. Not 3%, not 7.5%, 100%. And it's supposed to be carbon pollution free. So theoretically, energy from burning things, those incinerator and biomass wrecks, wouldn't count. And there's a bunch more rules that could make those efforts more effective, but also harder than just buying cheap wrecks. You know, the president has said that we have to have 100 percent clean power by 2030 of all the federal agencies. So there is the law of the land trying to push these agencies in the right direction. And that's where everyday civil servants really can become heroes because they can say, hey, there's an executive order. We need to meet it. And they can make better decisions rather than, you know, just going for the lowest common denominator. But if Biden doesn't get reelected, the next president could kill his executive order. And so far, implementation has been slow going. The departments of agriculture, commerce and energy were buying incinerator wrecks nine months after the executive order. So were the U.S. Air Force and NASA. Even the National Institutes of Health bought wrecks from that Florida trash incinerator in order to label one of its laboratories a net-zero energy campus. I reached out to federal agencies that bought a lot of wrecks. None of them would agree to an on-the-record interview. Some spokespeople sent written statements saying their agencies were supporting renewable energy by buying these wrecks. Others said they were just following the requirements or that they just bought whatever was cheapest. Some didn't respond at all. I asked the Environmental Protection Agency to explain why it's promoted wrecks for roughly two decades. They sent me a vague statement defending wrecks as a crucial way to prove a, quote, rightful claim of using renewable energy. But they did say, electricity generated from a trash incinerator is not considered green power. Andrew Mayock, the chief federal sustainability officer for the Biden administration, also wouldn't agree to a recorded interview. But I did speak to him briefly, and he seemed to acknowledge that the way the government has been doing things has been less than effective. Mayock said the Biden administration has made some pivots and tightened things up so that, quote, the federal government gets to a place of legitimately running on clean energy, not solely from an accounting perspective. Then I went to the other side of the transaction, someone who makes it his business to sell recs. As a promoter of recs, I haven't changed my belief since the beginning, that recs have a value. And anytime you buy a rack, you're providing an extra value to the market. Alden Hathaway has been a supporter of recs since the very beginning. He used to work for Sterling Planet, 
the company that sold the wrecks from the Georgia biomass plants, the ones that were burning toxic wood. He still consults with them. Alden hasn't met a wreck he didn't like. We need more alternative, clean, renewable energy sources on the electric grid. And the wreck is the first round of defense in that battle. So I don't think there's a wreck that shouldn't be sold as a wreck. There is one exception. I brought up trash incinerator wrecks, like the ones made at the site in Florida that Najib visited. Yeah, those, those, those are questionable. They're questionable really? wrecks. Alden says he wouldn't buy them because of the gases and chemicals incinerators can release. But in general, he's pro-wreck, even biomass ones. He knows they're controversial, but he says it makes sense for the government to buy whatever's cheapest. You wouldn't expect your federal agency to be buying boutique wrecks, paying a fortune for them. There'd be some report in a newspaper, <laughs> maybe yours. <laughs> what are these guys paying for? You know, So they're very particular about making sure they get the best price on them. But does that mean that they're not doing, the government buying these wrecks are not doing as much for the environment? Well, all, the, all wrecks do something for the environment, positive to non-wrecks. So I won't be in the trap of saying that government buying these low-grade wrecks isn't doing anything for the environment. It is. And it's not just price. Wreck purchases also come down to the politics of how much the government should be spending on climate change. It would be probably pie in the sky to expect the government to pay top dollar for solar wrecks to try to drive the solar market. I'm not saying that isn't an idea that someone in the blue state hadn't thought of. Probably think about it a lot more than those in the red state. But anyone in government has to be aware of what, what that means. You know, spending our taxpayer money for high-value wrecks when lower-cost wrecks are available to meet your climate goals. And if you don't even believe in the climate, you're going to be out there really complaining. So what about the whole point of wrecks in the first place? to create more renewable energy. Critics say that's not happening. So I posed that to Alden, and his answer is remarkable, coming from such a REC proponent. They never made a huge difference. Hmm. I mean, we were talking, we've always been talking the value of the REC as something like the icing on the cake. Icing on the cake for energy producers. I'll take that a little extra money. It won't make a change in my, my overall thing, but I'm glad to get a little extra money because every little bit helps. At the top of the show, we spoke to Auden Schendler, the sustainability director for Aspen Skiing. Remember, he started having second thoughts about Rex more than 15 years ago. And he still believes today that whether you're paying for cheap wind wrecks or dirt cheap biomass ones, the wrecks still come out the same, useless. If it's easy and affordable and fun, it's probably not driving any change. If it's brutally difficult, uncomfortable, and keeps you up at night and gives you an ulcer, it's probably meaningful. Ever since his initial buyer's remorse, after Auden bought the wrecks on behalf of his company, gained a ton of positive attention, and then asked the top brass to walk it all back, he's been on a campaign towards real, tangible change in response to the climate crisis. We realized that it was all our utility. Our utility was mostly coal-based, and that the way to decarbonize was not to buy wrecks, but to actually change the board of that utility. Auden's been leading a sort of hostile green takeover of the region's electric grid. He's found people to run against incumbent board members and change the utility from the inside. And we spent 15 years doing that, and it was highly controversial and very difficult and took a lot of time and effort. And, and you see why people buy wrecks, because it's so easy. So he's not surprised that the government is still opting for cheap wrecks to meet its goals, but he's not happy about it either. This is sort of the theme song to the end of the world when we're putting a lot of time and resources into something that we all know doesn't work. And that's a theme song that no one wants to hear. For now, President Biden's executive order the target to make the whole federal government run on clean energy remains just that, a target. 
which could be undone by the next president. There is a bill in Congress that would make the government get to 100% renewable energy by 2050, 20 years later than Biden's order. The author, Congresswoman Julia Brownlee of California, says the country needs a more ambitious law on the books, one that can't be overturned by a future president. Her bill says the government should use renewable energy produced on site as much as possible. But it also lets the government fall back on its favorite shortcut, buying more cheap wrecks. Our lead producer for this week's show is Najib Amini. Jenny Casas edited the show with help from Catherine Miskowski and Kate Howard. Special thanks to Muhammad Alalu, Andy Donahue, and Melissa Lewis. Support for today's reporting comes from the Emerson Collective. Nikki Frick is our fact checker. She had help this week from Kim Frieda. Victoria Baronetsky is our general counsel. Our production managers are the Wonder Twins, Zulema Cobb, and my little brother from another mother, Stephen Rascone. Score and sound designed by the dynamic duo, Jay Breezy, Mr. Jim Briggs, and Fernando, my man, Yo Aruda. They had help this week from Claire C. Note Mullen. Our CEO is Robert Rosenthal. Our COO is Maria Feldman. Our interim executive producers are Brett Myers and Taki Telenitis. Our theme music is by Camarado, Lightning. Support for Reveals provided by the Riva and David Logan Foundation, the Ford Foundation, the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, the Jonathan Logan Family Foundation, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, the Park Foundation, and the Hellman Foundation. Reveal is a co-production of the Center for Investigative Reporting and PRX. I'm Al Letson, And remember, there is always more to the story. Support for Reveal comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software, or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable, all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com reveal. That's O-D-O-O dot reveal. Odoo, modern management made simple.